Well, good evening. Uh, glad you're here with us uh, this evening, and uh, probably should have let the kids know that you know we lost a couple of chickens on the ark, and uh, that's what they ended up having for dinner tonight. <laughs> but, uh, appreciate you being uh, with us tonight, and uh, you know uh, the kids are going to be enjoying their classes for the next oh, 45, 50 minutes, and so just to you know, maybe kill some time, and we'll go along in, in their studies as well and kind of follow along what the kids are doing and learning as well. And if you were here with us uh, last night, we specifically talked about Noah. Uh, we, we looked at the life of Noah uh, that we read about in Scripture, and we, we saw you know, really how the, the world at that time was descending uh, you know, deeper and deeper into sin, darkness. Uh, the Bible tells us that, you know, especially the hearts of men were uh, continually doing evil. And so we see this spiral. And we, we talked a lot about uh, the lineages of some of the, uh, the men in the Bible uh, from Adam and to uh, you know, his son Cain, again, again who you know, slew his brother Abel. And we saw through Cain's lineage kind of this downward spiral of men who uh, weren't spiritually minded, who were really good at doing a lot of things. And um, we'll mention those here in a little bit as well. Again, uh, there was you know, people who you know, worked with their hands, uh, uh, blacksmiths, if you will, uh, musical, uh, uh, talented uh, you know, with uh, the music. And so a lot of these things we see in the line of, uh, of Cain, again, we, we don't see anything necessarily spiritual in their lives. And then uh, Genesis chapter 5 that we talked about last night with the lineage of Seth, uh, we see from all the way from Seth all the way down to Noah, again, men who were spiritually minded, who were calling on the name of the Lord. Uh, the scripture tells us, uh, again, meaning that they, they, you know, put God in their lives. And, and so we see once we get to Noah's time, though, uh, is that, you know, it's pretty dark. And so uh, God, of course, um, is going to select Noah. Uh, he finds favor in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, we're told, and so Noah is going to be commissioned with doing, uh, building this, you know, this ark to uh, save his family. And we really, we emphasize, you know, those characteristics that we think about when we think about Noah, that Noah was uh, someone who was faithful, right? uh, that he, uh, he followed uh, what God had told him to do. He was obedient. You know, again, that was one of those big uh, terms that we use that we see uh, Noah was an obedient individual, again, who followed uh, everything that God had told him. Again, Genesis chapter 6, verse 22, it says, Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him, uh, so he did. We also, uh, if you recall, uh, verse, uh, verse 9 tells us that Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. And again, maybe your translation says perfect. He was blameless. He was perfect. And we made mention that, you know, that's not talking about Noah being a sinless, you know, a person who was 100 uh, percent correct uh, all the time. Uh, but that's just referring to uh, his integrity, uh, that he was a mature, a complete individual. Uh, Noah was someone who, uh, you know, you could rely on, uh, again, uh, being a, a righteous man. And that's who God chose uh, to uh, save uh, he and his family. And again, we, we can't uh, put Noah up on a pedestal and say, you know, he's someone that we just can't attain to, that he was this great man. 
Again, he did great things that are in the scriptures, but Noah was just a man, uh, just an individual like you and I. And uh, so we shouldn't put Noah necessarily on that pedestal thinking that, you know, we can't be like him, that he's in a different league. Uh, but we need to remind ourselves that uh, we need to make ourselves, just like Noah did, available in God's service, doing God's will. And, you know, we also talked a lot about, you know, the, the, uh, the, the obedient side of Noah, you know, again, that he was, uh, that it was physically demanding. Uh, you know, we think that, you know, maybe it was 120 years based on Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, that maybe it was 120 years that he worked on this ark. And again, just to think about at that time period, uh, all of the work that went into that uh, of cutting down the gopher wood and then, you know, stripping it and making it into lumber. And, you know, who knows where that gopher wood is, right? Maybe it's not right where he was. Maybe he had to go and get it. Maybe he has a team of, of oxen or something to, to uh, bring it to him. And so there's that aspect of to it. And so, again, this was a very physically demanding uh, thing for Noah to do. Uh, it was also mentally challenging, again, because, you know, he's got to know all of these different aspects of um, putting this ark together. You know, did, did God specifically tell him uh, every step, every, uh, all the way through? You know, that's not necessarily recorded for us. We'll see here in a moment the, the things that were instructed of Noah. Uh, but maybe Noah um, had some leniency on, you know, how he built the ark. You know, maybe he could select uh, where he was to build it. Maybe he selected, you know, the tools that he used. Again, those things aren't mentioned necessarily in the scripture about us. But again, it's a mentally challenging thing that he had to do. You know, he had to use uh, the brain that God gave him, right, and to uh, construct this ark. And it was also uh, probably above those two, it was emotionally challenging. You know, again, just think of, of Noah, uh, the New Testament, uh, refers to him as a preacher of righteousness. Uh, he was, as he's building this, you know, again, if this took him 120 years, uh, 365 days a year, you know, building this ark, you know, what are the people saying about him as he's doing this in the community? You know, do they think that, you know, maybe he's a little nuts or, um, you know, a little off, you know, what, what's he doing? And so maybe that's something that he has to deal with every time he passes them and encounters them. And so again, it was an emotionally challenging thing. And, and we made the point to also to mention that, you know, by the time the flood comes, there was only those eight souls that made it on to the ark, right? Noah and his wife and his three sons and their three wives. And so even though the New Testament refers to Noah as a preacher of righteousness. He didn't have a lot of success um, convincing people, did, did he, uh, that, that this, the great flood was coming and that they needed to change uh, the way they were living. So, again, Noah was just a regular guy, and we really want to emphasize that because, again, uh, he's a great example for us. And so as we transition from uh, Noah to the ark tonight, really the emphasis is on the ark. Just kind of get a poll here. Uh, who here has been to the ark encounter uh, up in northern Kentucky? So we just have one, just one person? Okay, I I've been there as well. Uh, it's been a couple of years. Uh, but um, were you impressed by it? Yeah, it it's impressive, isn't it? 
uh, it's built to scale. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot of things uh, throughout it that stood out. I think you enter through the, the bottom deck and uh, you get in there and it's, it's a little scary in there at first. It's, it's dark, it feels a little uh, damp. Uh, there's these animal noises, um, much like you know we had playing, uh, but uh, sort of in a, a darker environment. And um, I know my youngest uh, child was, you know, she was kind of scared throughout uh, that portion of the the ark. And uh, again, so it, it's very impressive. Um, we understand, you know, when we uh, talk about Noah and the ark, uh, you know, maybe you go into a uh, a bookstore or whatever, and you see a children's book, there's a lot of different representations of Noah's Ark. You know, there's sort of this, this uh, standard uh, boat-type looking um, uh, piece of, uh, well, let's just call it a boat. <laughs> and, uh, and then there's, uh, again, those different depictions that you see in, the, in those books of, you know, the animals and their heads sticking out. And some of them are quite small. You, uh, when you see those, you wonder how they even got uh, two or three animals on there. But really what we want to talk about tonight is, you know, it, it was the ark uh, realistic in its time. Uh, could it take on the floodwaters for over a year? Because Noah and his family and those animals, they're going to be out there for over a year while the water uh, is uh, flooding the earth. And could it house all those animals as well that, that God sent aboard it? And so the reason why we're, we're talking about this is, you know, because of what Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, he says that, uh, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness, excuse me, and reverence. In that, that verse there, uh, always be ready to make a defense for the hope that is in you. That word defense is this uh, Greek word apologia, where we get our word apologetics. And again, I mentioned yesterday that this curriculum that the kids are using is called, uh, or is from the company called Apologetics Press, and it really it helps to uh, help them learn how to defend their faith. And so um, when people, you know, might criticize uh, the, the scriptures and, you know, say, hey, there was never such thing as a global flood or there's no way that, you know, a boat like this could have lasted uh, over a year on the waters. You know, we, we want to help them understand how they can defend uh, those attacks that they take on from their faith. But again, it's important to know what Peter says there at the end, but do it with gentleness and reverence, uh, to be able to do it in love and not just make an argument out of it, but to, uh, again, prove their faith, the, the hope that they have uh, within them. So again, that's really why we're here tonight. And so that's what we're going to talk about here when we look at the, at the ark. And again, you know, we're not given a ton of detail of how this was constructed. Let's look at, uh, if you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter 6, uh, verses 14 through 16. Uh, because this is really the, the main uh, emphasis of, of the scripture, of you know, what we know about this ark. Uh, again, Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 14. And let's notice some of these. I listed off uh, seven, seven different uh, aspects 
uh, to this ark. And so let's read what uh, Moses here records. Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 14. He writes, Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubit from the top and set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. So that's all we got. Uh, of the, this construction of this ark. And so the first thing we notice is that God tells Noah that he is to build it with gopher wood. Now, does anyone know uh, what gopher wood is? Yeah. Uh, we don't know. Right? We don't know what gopher wood is, but you know, God is very specific about what type of wood he was to use. And so there must be something about that. Uh, you know, maybe this this was a wood that um, you know only existed uh, during this time, and um, you know maybe it had you know a stronger density to it, or whatever the reason. God told Noah that he must use gopher wood. Uh, verse fourteen also tells us that it will have rooms. Um, again, more than one, obviously. Uh, Various rooms, lots of different rooms. Again, if you go to the Ark Encounter, you, you'll notice uh, that they, again, they, they don't know specifically how it looked either, but they uh, took their liberty to, you know, build rooms within the Ark. And so um, that's one of the reasons. Uh, why do you think God wanted rooms on the Ark? I'm assuming it's just to, you know, keep... You know, maybe the lions from the chickens or something like that. You know, just keep them away from each other. But whatever the reason, again, God tells them uh, build rooms in this ark. And then he says in verse 14 that you shall cover it inside and out with pitch. You know, I've read that verse maybe uh, quite a bit. And I've really never really uh, seen where... Uh, he says to cover it inside and outside. I've always thought of, you know, covering the outside of the ark in this pitch, which, you know, maybe uh, we would think of more as like a modern, you know, uh, like a tar or, you know, an asphalt, you know, something that you would heat up and, you know, spread it across it. Um, but again, I, I'd never noticed this until uh, the other day, but he says to do this inside the ark as well. So really, you know, he's getting the ark you know, covered on both the inside and the outside. He's really uh, securing uh, the ark for what it's going to be challenging. Um, you know, it was probably a sealant. It was probably an insulator. You know, maybe it was even a shock absorber. Uh, but again, here's God's grand design to build this ark out of gopher wood, uh, to cover it inside and outside with pitch. And then in verse 15, he tells us the dimensions of the ark. Uh, 300 cubits, long by 50 cubits uh, wide and then 30 cubits high. Uh, does anyone remember how long a cubit is? 18 inches. Okay, yes. 18 inches. And so uh, a foot and a half. And, the, you know, of course, they didn't have uh, tape measures back then. They didn't, uh, you know, calculate in uh, the same way that we would do. But so basically what they did uh, to... 
uh, measure out a cubit was to uh, take their elbow to the tip of their finger. And so uh, that's approximately for everyone about, uh, you know, about 18 inches. And so that would have been a cubit. And so in our, in our modern terms, this arc was 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet tall. And so just to kind of give us some comparison, I, I've shared this with the congregation before, uh, but I took uh, my two youngest children outside and we uh, took a tape measure and we sort of uh, you know, measured the length and the width and then the height of this building here. And so when we did that, uh, we got a length from, you know, starting from this end all the way to out here, we got a length of 125 feet. And so again, the arc was 450 feet long. And this building is 170 or 125 feet long. So you just think, uh, basically, you just take this building this way, you know, and multiply it almost four different times. And that's how long the arc was. Right? That's how impressive it was. Uh, the width, uh, we, we measured the width of this building to be 85 feet long. And the, the arc, again, was 75. So this building, width-wise, was a little bit uh, longer. Again, starting with the outside on this side and going to the farthest point on you know, this side of the building. So you know, it's pretty comparable of how wide the arc was. And then, of course, the height uh, we took a look at, uh, basically from this floor here to the highest point on this ceiling was close to uh, a little over 20 feet. And so to kind of give you some perspective of how high the arc was, uh, again, the arc would have been 45 feet tall and, and we got 20 feet. So we'd have to double this and then add you know, five more feet. So that's how tall uh, the arc was, uh, those three decks. So hopefully that kind of gives you a little bit of perspective of you know, how massive, how huge this uh, arc was that Noah uh, and his family would have uh, constructed uh, over that long period of time. And then we get into verse 16. And we get the final three portions of the, of the ark. Uh, he tells us that there needs to be a window for the ark. And of course, this is going to be important because this is going to give uh, the light and the ventilation uh, that they're going to need. It tells us there also that there's going to be a door on the side. So one door to this ark. And then finally, the last um, instructions that God gives Noah there in verse 16 is that uh, he shall make it with a lower and a second and a third deck. So again, uh, uh, this triple decker uh, arc. And so again, that's you know all the information we get as far as you know what this arc truly looked like. And so um, we think to ourselves where uh, when we think of you know ships, modern day ships, well we might think well you know where's the rudder or where's the sails? Well. You know, once they got into the ark, and we'll look at this verse later. Well, why don't we look at it right now? Um, in verse uh, chapter 7, verse 16, it says, uh, Those that entered, male and female of all flesh, entered as God had commanded him, and the Lord closed it behind them. So uh, we notice here that as you know, Noah and the animals get on the ark, who closes the door to the ark? It's God. All right. God closes the door to this ark, this ark that has no rudders, it has no sails. Um, 
Is that important? Yeah. That the, the ark doesn't have sails or? No. Uh, um, the ark went wherever God wanted to, to go. Right. And God was doing the God. Right. God closed the door to the ark and he, right. Yeah. yeah. And so did this ark have a place to go? Did it, uh, you know, did it have a destination in mind? No, and so, uh, again, there was no sails, there was no rudder, uh, it, it was not built for speed, uh, it was just simply to hold cargo. And again, we'll kind of touch on this again, but God closes the door. And let's just, uh, before we go in further, let's think of some more uh, relevant facts uh, as far as, you know, this time period of, of when Noah is living. Uh, you know, we, we touched on this a little bit yesterday, but the, the lifespan of individuals at this time was a lot different than today, right? Uh, Noah lived to be... 960. Well, that's Methuselah. That's Methuselah. Yeah. Noah lived to be 950. At, uh, but he was about 600 when he got, when he, uh, the flood started. Yeah, but he lived to be 950, and Methuselah, 969, and a lot of these, uh, you know, his great-grandfather, the people, basically, you know, the people living at that time were living into their 800s or 900s, and so, and I was talking to Danny about this before uh, VBS, but you think about these individuals that lived in that time, you know, you know how, how much more knowledge did they might have than you and I? You know, a, a life knowledge, right, of, uh, of experiential knowledge. Because, uh, you know, we live to, you know, 70, maybe 80, 90. And, you know, these guys are living, you know, 10 times as longer. They've lived life longer. Uh, they've experienced more things. You know, they don't have the, you know, the hustle and bustle that we do, you know, worrying about our favorite sports team. And Was this during yeah, this would be during the patriarchal times where God spoke directly to the patriarchs of the family, like Noah. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, we just, just kind of, you know, just throwing that out there, just kind of thinking about, you know, men like Noah, you know, uh, just, you know, how, uh, you know, how much life knowledge they would have had, how much, you know, maybe, I don't want to use the term smarter than you and I, but, uh, you know, that, that they, uh, they knew a lot. They experienced a lot. Um, think about were, were people during this time healthier than you and I? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Because um, you know the the foods that they ate. Um, now there, there's a, a passage in Genesis chapter nine, verse three. That's you know a, a little bit. Um, you know, people like to uh, pick at it a little bit. Uh, Genesis chapter nine, verse three. This is. Uh, when Noah comes out of the ark and God is going to give the covenant to Noah and to um, the family to never flood the earth again. And it says in Genesis chapter 9, verse 3, that every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give all of uh, it to you as I gave the green plant. So a lot of people look at that verse and say, you know what, from that time to Adam, you know, the, probably people were vegetarians. Right? That, that they only ate plants because uh, he says there in verse 3 that now I give you 
uh, food for you. Now I give you uh, animals to eat. And so, um, but again, the main point was is that, you know, the people back then were probably healthier than you and I. Uh, the, the intake that they uh, would have had were, you know, less chemicals, right? Um, less um, harmful uh, ingredients. Uh, and so maybe these individuals were healthier and they were probably uh, stronger than our, us, right? Uh, because they had to... Um, physically walk everywhere. They had to uh, do a lot of physical labor. Manual labor. Did they have accountants back then? Accountants? No. 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 Uh, Like, yeah, that's what I did for 15 years. I sat behind a computer screen for 15 years, right? And they didn't have that back then. I mean, you you worked in the field. um, And usually if what more he done in the field was manual labor. Because it wasn't, you don't hear that many horses and mules and cows back a lot of people have that opinion and so yeah right yes uh, I don't know is, is uh, eating plants uh, versus eating animals is is there a difference there in that sort of a diet you can get protein from plants the same as you do right. yeah so, yeah, so basically, uh, you know, the main point that we wanted to just kind of make is just kind of, again, thinking about that time period uh, of these individuals who uh, we're going to talk about, you know, of who, you know, built, constructed this ark, you know, individuals that uh, had a lot more life knowledge than us, they probably were healthier than us or stronger than us, but yet people say, you know, uh, Noah couldn't have possibly uh, built uh, this uh, by himself. Again, if we went back all the way to, well... You know, we're in Genesis 6, 7, and 8. Uh, when we go back to Genesis chapter 4, even before Noah, you know, we're told in verse 22 uh, that during this time period, um, again, um, people were forgers of all implements of bronze and iron. And so, again, uh, you know, a blacksmith, if you will, you know, they probably knew how to build tools uh, during this time period. And so Noah probably took advantage of that. And again, uh, the verse uh, that we emphasized last night in Genesis chapter 6, uh, verse 3, that talked about uh, how God was going to give them 120 years to repent, to change. And really this was you know, that, probably that length of time that Noah had uh, to begin to build the ark. And so he had quite a bit of time uh, to do that. And so 
um, let's kind of talk about, you know, some of the different aspects of the ark that maybe, um, you know, get picked at a little bit by uh, a non-believer or someone who doesn't necessarily, you know, believe in, in the account of Noah. You know, was, uh, again, was Noah incapable of building this ark? Was he uh, not, uh, was he unintelligent to build this, uh, uh, build this ark? You know, again, when we think of, you know, evolution, you know, the, this theory that, uh, you know, man came from a former or from a lower life form, you know, and just through millions and millions of years, he evolved into what he is now, you know, basically from something unintelligent to something intelligent. You know, of course, that's not what the Bible teaches, right? Because we can go to Genesis chapter 1 and understand that, uh, the, that the man and woman were created by God. And again, Genesis chapter 4 uh, that we just kind of touched on, um, we, we learned that, you know, during this time period, this early time period, that civilizations were being built, uh, that agriculture was being conducted. Again, musical instruments were being designed. Uh, bronze and metal were being worked on. So humans at this time period uh, of Noah's... Of, of Noah, uh, certainly intellectually and physically, were capable of building, you know, a, a boat of this magnitude. Um, well, Noah proves that he was able, able to because he did. Yeah. Was it likely that boats would have been constructed before uh, Noah? No. You don't think so? No. Where was, where was the water at? Well, there was water on the earth. Rivers and lakes. Right. Well, yeah. So let's just... Let's Small boats, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're not talking anything the size of the ark, but, you know, they probably had an understanding of how to build, you know, a basic boat to get, you know, from, like you said, one side of the lake to the other. Um, and again, these individuals uh, who lived so long, you know... Uh, it wasn't like they had 50 years of boat building knowledge, uh, but, you know, maybe 500 years of, of that sort of knowledge. You know, we don't even know. Uh, Noah could have been a ship uh, builder by trade. You know, again, those are some of the things that were left in the dark. Uh, Noah could have hired help. Again, we don't know that. But we do know that God helped him. Uh, now, if the ark was the very first boat ever to be constructed... Uh, if Noah and his family were completely inept in building boats and knew nothing about it, um, we still need to remember that, you know, this flood that's going to happen was uh, because God brought it upon them. And, and we can be certain that God would have gave Noah uh, the capability of or give him the knowledge to impart the knowledge for him to um, be able to build this ark that he's going to do. And so... Uh, let's talk uh, for a moment about the, the ark as far as, you know, being seaworthy. You know, again, this is where a lot of skeptics will nitpick at it saying, you know what, there's no way that it could have been uh, seaworthy uh, the way it was constructed. Um, there was a ship built in 1909 called the Wyoming, and it was completely made of wood, you know, similar to the ark. And it sank in 1924. Okay, so it, uh, for about uh, 15 years, uh, it was in service. 
And so people take that example and they'll say, well, see, uh, this, this uh, ship was made of wood. It's a lot smaller than the ark and it didn't last more than 15 years. Well, how could you know, an ark of this capacity have uh, made it and uh, been successful? Okay, yeah, that's one of the aspects of the ark that, uh, you know, the Wyoming. And God made it. Yeah, God designed it too, yeah, definitely. But, you know, when we think of the Wyoming, you know, and I wish I would be able to, uh, because of the ark and its massive size, I don't have the ability to project anything on the screen. But if I, you know, had a picture of the Wyoming to sort of show you it, you'd see, you know, its great sails. Uh, You'd see it was... uh, uh, the enormous mass that it had, and you know, think of you know when the the wind and you know all of the the torsion uh, that that would have happened to those masses and uh, the, the sails of that ship. You know, it's going to you know cause some problems over time, of course. And again, the the ark did not have any of those things. It was not built for speed. It was not built to you know get from point A to point B. It was just simply to hold cargo. Uh, this, this ship, uh, the Wyoming, is you know, a completely uh, different type of ship that the Ark was. And uh, again, we know that Noah was specifically told uh, what type of wood to use. Right? Uh, he wasn't told to simply build a wooden boat, but he was told to build it out of gopher wood. Again, what's gopher wood? Uh, we don't know. We don't know what the modern day equivalent is, or even if it exists still today. Um, but again, that was significant that God chose uh, this type of wood. Now, I mentioned that the, the Wyoming uh, lasted 15 years before uh, finally it sunk. Uh, how long did the ark need to float for? Remember how long they were out there in the water? Yeah, and the flood lasted approximately a year. Right? And so, uh, again, the, that, that's a bad comparison when we compare, you know, the Wyoming with the Ark, uh, because, you know, the Wyoming uh, only lasted 15 years. The Ark only had to last a year, and it did that. It got the job done. So the bottom line is, the, the point that we want to make is that the Ark would have been seaworthy. Uh, the the Yeah. Because I know pine pitch, when they make the dashes and things like that, it turns into concrete or like blue. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, really important that it was, you know, on the inside of the ark and uh, the outside. And wood, when you were praying, you were actually soaking in, so, I mean, so that would make it even better. All right. Yeah, so um, I mentioned earlier the, the ratio of the arc, you know, the 300 cubits to the 50 cubits to 30 cubits. And, you know, the ratio there is uh, 30 to 5 to 3. And during World War II, when we were constructing uh, these great massive cargo ships uh, to, you know, get our equipment from, you know, one a continent to another, you know, that's, 
really the ratios that they were using for those. You know, again, how did Noah know, uh, you know, a couple thousand years ago before, uh, you know, our modern day knowledge that this ratio of 30 to 5 to 3 was probably, you know, the perfect ratio for uh, these seagoing cargo holding ships. It's just amazing to, to think about that. Did Noah have enough time to build this vessel? Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's a cool little poster. Uh, it's kind of in that back corner uh, through those doors. So uh, if you have a chance, you might go look at it. But it sort of calculates the time uh, that they would have had. And so it takes, you know, Noah working eight hours a day, six days a week uh, for 120 years. That comes out to 300,000 working hours. And then uh, it points out, well, if his three sons uh, would have helped uh, eight hours a day, six days a week, for about 80 years, that would be another 600,000 working hours. And so now you got 900,000 working hours available. And then uh, it even step, takes it a step further and says, well, what if Noah's wife and his three daughter-in-laws also worked on the ark? Now, there's another 900,000 hours. And so it comes out to 1.8 million uh, working hours uh, that they would have had available uh, to build this ark. And they compare it to, again, the, the ark there in uh, northern Kentucky. And uh, they tell us that that ark, uh, in the, you know, the current uh, conditions in you know, our world today of lifts and forklifts and power tools and all of that, it took 280,000 working hours. So it took 280,000 working hours to construct the, the ark encounter. And uh, you know, again, Noah had... Uh, you know, if, if his whole family pitched in, he had, you know, 1.8 uh, million uh, working hours. So, again, uh, you know, there was plenty of time for him to construct this ark. How could millions of animals fit on this ark? Uh, Genesis chapter 7, verses 2 and 3, um, let us know. Uh, it says, you shall take with you of every clean animal by sevens, a male and his female, and of the animals that are not clean, too, a male and his female, and of the birds of the sky by sevens, male and female, to keep offspring alive on the face of the earth. You know, it's Genesis chapter 6 that tells us, you know, they uh, take two of every animal, and that's really, you know, that's a lot of times how Noah's Ark is depicted uh, you know, there's two lions, there's two elephants, there's two giraffes, uh, two lambs. Uh, but uh, in chapter 7, uh, he gets more instructions and he says, of every clean animal, uh, you are to bring seven, seven pairs. And then uh, of the unclean, you are to only bring uh, two of those. Uh, why, why do you think God instructed um, Noah to bring seven pairs of the clean animals? Yeah, well, yeah, going back to Genesis chapter 9, verse 3, when they get off the ark, you know, he tells them that, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to, to eat meat now. And also in chapter 8, verse 20, we're told that Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. So, uh, you know, that it was for sacrifice as well. 
But, uh, you know, a lot of times we miss that, that um, it, it wasn't just two of every animal, but the clean animals, there were a pair of sevens, and then the unclean animals, uh, there were two. But, you know, a lot of people will say, well, listen, you know, there is no way that Noah could have gotten all of those animals on this ark. And the key word that we want to emphasize is this. In chapter 6, verse 19, it says, And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark. Two of every kind. So uh, that word kind is you know, related to family or, or genus. You know, it, it's not our word species. You know, when, when we think of, uh, we, we probably have in our mind species, like, uh, or, or breed, you know. Uh, we, we probably, uh, we might think, well, does that mean that Noah had to bring two uh, Dalmatians on board and two um, terrier, uh, Jack Russell Terriers, or, or two, um, I'm getting a lack of dog uh, breeds, but... Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, that's what some people think is that, okay, he had to have two, uh, two Dalmatians, two Jack Russell Terriers, uh, two pit bulls, and, and, and like that. But in that verse there we saw in Genesis chapter 6, verse 19, he says two of every kind, right? A kind, a family. And so um, we know that, you know, when, when we're studying uh, those type of things today, you know, that... Things like foxes and wolves and jackals and coyotes and dingoes and domesticated dogs all come from the same uh, kind, right? So uh, maybe uh, it was the fact that, that Noah only had to bring a couple of those uh, on board and not necessarily have to bring you know, every single species of animal. And we also want to keep in mind the size of the animals. Again, you know, when we see uh, these depictions on Noah's Ark, you've got these uh, you know, giant uh, hippos and giant rhinoceroses, you know, that giant elephant that's out there. Did, uh, did God command uh, Noah that he had to bring full-grown animals onto the ark? Yeah, it's two. Okay. Right, we're not told specifically uh, the size that... And again, this wasn't... I should point this out too. Noah did not go out and get these animals, but the Bible tells us that God sent them to him, right? And so maybe what he sent to them were uh, younglings, were uh, the young, uh, were a adolescents, you know? And so... Uh, Hand-selected by God. Hand by God, right. And so, uh, again, when we see those depictions of Noah's Ark, you know... Probably was unlikely that there were these full-grown rhinoceroses on board, you know, because it's going to save space to bring two juvenile rhinoceroses, right? Uh, those are the two that are going to be more likely to procreate later when they get off and to uh, multiply upon the earth. And so, uh, of course, adults, adults would need more food, and so you're going to need more space on the ark for that. Uh, they're going to need uh, more water and more space. They're going to produce more waste. So, it, you know, it makes sense that, you know, that God would have sent sort of, you know, these, these juvenile um, kinds of animals to uh, Noah to place on the ark uh, just to save a space. So uh, we're about done uh, with our class uh, this evening. And as we uh, wrap up these thoughts, uh, again, the description 
of the ark in Scripture can certainly uh, withstand the scrutiny that you know it has to take on. Um, but since the flood actually happened, we would expect that an ark existed and that its design would keep it afloat during the flood. Um, but we also want to keep in mind uh, the, the symbolic nature of the ark uh, when it comes to uh, the Old Testament to the New Testament. You know, the Old Testament, um, you know, there are things in the Old Testament that point to, you know, Jesus in the New Testament. These are they're shadows. Uh, they're th- uh, uh, things to come. And that's one of the things the ark was. It was a shadow of the church. And, and Noah was a shadow of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And so as Noah prepared an ark for the saving of his household in the Old Testament, you know, Jesus built his church in the New Testament. You know, both of these were designed by God. Uh, we know in the days of Noah, a few were chosen to get on the ark. And we also know, according to Scripture, that, that few are, are going to be chosen as well. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 It says, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. We also think of the aspect of the one door. Again, the ark had one door and Jesus is the one door of the New Testament. He says twice in John chapter 10, I am the door. And then he'll later say, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to me but through of the Father, and so uh, we, we want to recall that that one door uh, is, uh, you know, there's an emphasis there uh, because Jesus is that one door in the New Testament, and, and also the water, uh, the, the water uh, that Noah and his family were saved through water. First uh, Peter chapter three, verse twenty and twenty-one tells us that today we're saved through water. Uh, Christians are saved through baptism in water. Uh, baptism now saves you, Peter says in those verses, and so there's a lot of these. Uh, shadows in the Old Testament that come to fruition in the New Testament. And, uh, and so we, we want to appreciate that aspect of it as well. Tomorrow, uh, hopefully you can come back. Uh, we'll, at the, our last night of VBS, we're going to take a look at the flood, uh, just like the kids did. And it's going to be a lot more uh, material to look at because that's going to consist of uh, most of Genesis chapter 7 and 8, and then also in Genesis chapter 9 when they come out of the ark. And so Appreciate your attendance tonight and your participation, and the kids should be getting up here shortly. Thank you.